dated who was a black Jewish girl and her family would be Friday nights praising worship, two and four-year-olds and 10-year-olds praising worship in Friday nights. And I would ask questions about the Sabbath. I don't know if it was there, or I don't know if it was in, when I was in Arizona, I played football. And I walk into the Arizona Western Campus Library, and there's this pamphlet, and it explained to me how the Sabbath was changed. And I took that, I said, wow, this is interesting. Now remember, I just became Christian 2006, 2005. So I don't know if it was then, I can fast forward. I don't know if it was when I was on 55th and St. Clair. I was riding in my black Z28. I saw a black bookstore. I used to like to, and I still like to, I didn't used to like to, I still like to read books. So I stopped in with no particular book in mind. I go into this bookstore and I'm looking around and I come out with these two books that are Seventh-day Adventist books. I didn't say it. <laughs> then I read these books and I started understanding about the love of Jesus Christ. Or I don't know if it was these Bible studies that I did in 2001 that someone gave to me. They were Amazing Facts Bible studies. I did up to Lesson 7 on the Internet back then, and I just stopped doing them. Or (laughs) I don't know if it was a friend of ours, Marlon, named Kurt Gillespie, who at my job at that time said, hey, man, they're having a revelation seminar at this church on East 105. Do you want to go? Sure. And I come into this church and seen Pastor Moore doing the revelation seminar, and I saw the statue of Babylon, and it was jaw-dropping to me. And I stopped coming. Stopped coming. Oh, I don't know... Maybe it was the split decision when I got baptized at Greater Friendship, Greater Friendship Baptist Church. And I started having these questions. Not about the Sabbath or anything like that. I just have, started having these questions about God. And the only one who can give me the, the answers was my friend who grew up Seventh-day Adventist. So I'm like, hey, man, what, I want what you got, man. Give me more. He said, didn't I tell you to do them Bible studies in 2001? I said, yeah. But with all that said, I, I don't know what particular thing is, but I know when I roll past all these churches on 105, God has placed me here at Glenville to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the three message, message the three angels message. So, I don't know. Amen. So, as you see the title, the title of this sermon is, Who's Your Advocate? Who is your advocate? Who's your intercessor? Who is your ally? Who is your advocate? Okay? So there is an axiom used amongst lawyers and attorneys. An axiom is a 
starting point of reasoning, okay? A starting point of reasoning or a premise that has no argument, okay? And this axiom amongst attorneys and lawyers is he that represents himself in the court of law has a fool for a client. He that represents himself in the court of law has a fool for a client. Now remember, this is an axiom. They're saying this with the same premise that I say the sky is blue. There's no argument about that. So that's what they're saying. They're saying, if you represent yourself in court, you have a fool for a client. You can't debate me on that. That's what they're saying. Just ask Kirk James. Kurt James in 2010 <laughs> got brought up on trials in 2010 uh, on, on two accounts of robbery and he represented himself in court. So the judge asked him, where's your lawyer? Where's your attorney? Do you at least want a public defender? So Kurt James thought he could defend himself in court and he started speaking street language <laughs> which the court didn't understand. The court started speaking law language, which he didn't understand. So he says this, y'all tripping, I ain't going to jail. He said, y'all tripping, I ain't going to jail. Then he says, excuse me. Then he says, he goes up and he calls himself onto the stand and he's talking about his testimony, and of course, he loses the case. So he has um, two counts of armed robbery, which is punishable on a life term and sentence, and he loses, but the whole thing was they were asking him, who is your advocate? Who is gonna vouch for you in this court? He probably could have got a public defender, well, I'll just say, he probably could have paid a lawyer and got at least some years in prison, but he didn't wouldn't have to do eternal life. Who's your advocate? Yeah. First slide. First slide. Our scriptures for today, can you all see that? Hmm. Okay, I'll read in your hearing. I don't know who did this PowerPoint now. <laughs> it says, 1 John 2, 1, 2, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. So he's saying, I write unto you that you sin not, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and he is the propitiation of our sins. That word propitiation means to appease God. Okay? He has the, and he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for also the sins of the world. So the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So if there was just one person down here on, on earth who sinned, there had to be someone to atone for these sins. And as you see here, I put a picture up of Jesus knocking at the door. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. And he's clothed. 
in his high priest garments. You know why? Because he's ready to be your advocate. He wants to be your advocate. Okay? He wants to be your ally. Okay? Next slide. Okay? So, we're going to go... Excuse me. I think she... uh, Okay, yes, stay here. So, we're going to talk about Moses first, and when he was given instructions about the um, anointing and the inaugural service of the high priest. You see, everything that happened in the Old Testament, in the heavenly sanctuary, usually there was a shadow, there was just a shadow for things to come. Things were fulfilled later, okay, in the New Testament. So while the instructions was given to Moses to by God to build the earthly sanctuary, Moses was also given instructions about the inauguration and consecration of the high priest before he started his ministry, okay? Before he started, the high priest's role was to go into the, uh, I'm not going to go into the holy place and the most holy place. You want to hear that, you can come to my class or Carl Poole's class, right? (laughs) So, but the job of the high priest was to go in and atone for the sins of the children of Israel, okay? Then when the sanctuary was made and all its parts put together, Moses brought Aaron and his sons and he washed them in the labor. Okay, he washed them in the labor. He clothed them with the sacred robes in which they were to wear, just as Jesus had with the uh, high priest garments. And now for the anointing oil, Moses was told to prepare a special anointing oil. And in this particular oil, you had olive oil, you had aromatic cane, you had sweet cinnamon, and other ingredients. And it was, God gave special provisions that this oil not be reproduced or used for personal use. I actually put olive oil sometimes in my hair. That would have been prohibited. <laughs> no personal use for this special oil. Then Moses took the oil and anointed the sanctuary and all the furniture within, okay, and all the furniture within. Then he took and sprinkled the oil seven times upon the altar, anointing the altar and its vessels. Then Moses took the full horn of the oil, poured it down on the head of Aaron, and it ran down his beard and down to the vesture of his high priest's garments. And the thoroughness of this act is highlighted in the book of Psalms as I have up here. It says, 133, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. You can put the next slide up. As you see, I put a slide up. That's Moses, and he's anointing Aaron, the high priest, pouring the full horn of oil on top of his head, and this goes down to his garments. And this was part of the inauguration service for the high priest. Now, like I said, this was just a shadow of things to come. This is called type because this is not the actual. The real thing was the fulfillment in Revelation chapter 4. Next slide. See, I thought I was going to have a clicker. (laughs) 
Revelation chapter 4 talks about the throne room of God, okay? Before Christ got there for his inauguration service. So I put a picture up here. As you see one sitting upon is God the Father, and he has the 12 elders, and he has the 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 angels. And you see these four winged beasts around them. They are the the security, the celestial praise worship team of the throne room of God. Next slide. Okay, Revelation chapter 4. Okay, I have a lot of scriptures up here. And it says, and after I looked and beheld, you guys can look into your Bibles also if you can't see that. That's Revelation chapter 4. Okay, Revelation chapter 4, if you can't see it. Okay, Revelation chapter 4 says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard were as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Anytime you see a trumpet being spoke of in the Bible, divine intervention is taking place. Amen. Remember on the mount, the, the, the uh, mount when God came down on the mount in the thick cloud, and that trumpet got louder and louder and louder. Anytime you see a trumpet, divine intervention is taking place. Which said, come up hither, and I will show these things which must be hereafter. Of course, this is John who was given this vision. And immediately I was in the spirit. So God told him, the angel told him, get ready. And then he said he was in the spirit. He had to get ready. No other choice. And behold, a throne was, in, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like jasper and a sarding stone, and there was a rainbow about the throne in the sight unto like an emerald. Now I want you to notice here, John is explaining how the throne of God looks, and he sees God the Father, and he uses not one analogous word to describe how he looks. He only says he was to be looked upon, because if he puts an analogous word on him, he limits God. He didn't say enormous. He didn't say big. He said he was to be looked upon. Okay? That's how glorious this thing was. It was just a magnificent vision. Okay? There was a rainbow around the throne, it says at the end of uh, verse 3. It said it was a rainbow. This rainbow, of course, there was a rainbow with the covenant after Noah. This rainbow was a covenant that he would not kill anymore with the flood. So this rainbow up here is an eternal covenant. For the people of God, okay? Verse 4, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white, white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. So it says, verse 4, round and about the throne were twenty and four seats. Now listen here. It is believed that these 24 elders are the people when Christ died, the graves were open and someone to the city. It is believed that these 24 elders are them. Okay, it is believed that these 24 elders are them because they are clothed in white raiment. Okay, angels are not going to be described in white raiment. White raiment describes moral purity, the righteousness of Christ. So angels have never sinned, so they won't be described in white raiment. 
humans are described in that particular order. Okay? Verse 5. And out of the throne proceed thunder. And out of the, I'm sorry. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Okay? The seven spirits of God. Verse 6, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So it says there was a sea of glass unto like crystal laid out about the throne. Now, if you look back up, it was jasper, it was emerald, it was sardine, it was all these colors flashing off the sea of light. Okay, can you imagine the magnificent colors all round about them, okay? And it said there were four beasts full of eyes, uh, describing the omnipotence of God on, the, on these four beasts. And if you look in the book of Ezekiel, these four beasts, like I said, who are part of the celestial worship team of God, are the protectors of the throne. And in the book of Ezekiel, it goes into great detail about these, thro- about these beasts, how when they move, they do not turn. If they go to the right... They move like this. And they go to the left, they move like this. Next slide. Verse 7, it says, And the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, and the third beast has the face of a man, and the fourth beast like a flying eagle. Now, if you notice all these beasts, everything is covered. You have a predatory beast as a lion. You have a second beast is the humble calf. Third beast is the face of a man, representing all mammals. And then the fourth beast is a flying eagle, representing the swiftness, okay? Verse 8, and the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they were as day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and is to come. So they worship him day and night in ceaseless worship, okay? And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. And the four elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lived forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for all things have created all things and for thy pleasure they were created. Now, Let's go 53 days back, okay, because chapter 5 starts the inauguration of Jesus Christ. Let's go 53 days back, next slide, 53 days back from this, and I know you're doing this calculating in your head, why do you say 53 days? 53 days back, okay, there's a great separation being felt by Jesus Christ on the cross, this is great separation being felt that he has never felt before in his life. And he calls out and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken thee? You see, as he took on the sins of the world, okay, the father never left him, but he had to withdraw his presence. Okay, because he is not to be associated with sin. So Christ feels this separation and he calls out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it reminds me. One of my best friends here is Marlon Gibson. Uh, It reminds me when I went to a funeral, I was 18 years old. Now, this is really the first funeral that I have ever been to. 
I had been to my grandfather's funeral when I was six, but I really didn't know what was going on. So when I was 18 years old, our friend Alton Character got shot twice in his temple. He was 17 years old, okay? So when we got to the funeral, casket was open. Now, like I said, this was the first funeral, so I really didn't know what to expect. You know, we sat up, cried and everything. So when the funeral's over, boom, they closed the casket, and I just lost it. Because I felt that it was a, all right, it's done, let's go. And I was just, I just lost it. And I just started crying. And when I walked up the aisle, I felt like I was walking in slow motion. And Marlon, I remember you saying to me, Sean, don't, don't. And I was like, no, man, no. And I just started crying my eyes out because I'm feeling this separation because my friend cannot walk out with me. So what you have, these guys from Collinwood huddled up in the parking lot, these big guys, who some called bullies, we were considered some bullies in the school, we played football. You have all of us together huddled up crying and crying and crying because we feel this separation that our friend cannot walk out with us, okay? So multiply what I just said times the eternal number, which you can't, okay? And this is how Christ felt because they were always co-eternal with each other, never without each other, okay? So... As you fast forward a little bit, the three most magnificent words ever uttered on this earth, in my opinion, was said, it is finished. (laughs) He hung his head, breathed his last breath, it is finished. And at that time, the officiating high priest in the sanctuary, his hand trembled because there was an earthquake, and he drops the knife. And the innocent lamb miraculously ran off. And the veil was torn from top to bottom, signifying that the Old Testament sanctuary service was over. Then the graves opened up, and some of these saints came out and went into the, the city and testified about God. Okay, and these are the same people that I said, it is believed are the 24 elders elders that sit on the throne, okay? Okay, because they came up from the grave, so where did they go? They're up in heaven right now, okay? So if you fast forward a little bit, I have lost plenty of my spots in my notes. If you, <laughs> if you fast forward a little bit, if you fast forward a little bit, I don't, I don't really like structure, I like to just let it go, you know? If you let it, um, if you fast forward a little bit, there's, Okay, Christ resurrected three days later, and he appears to the apostles, and he gives specific instructions, specific instructions to the apostles. He said, wait here in Jerusalem and wait for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be sent. Okay, wait for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be sent because ministry is to be done. Anytime we do ministry in this church, we have to ask God for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, because ministry is to be done when the Holy Spirit comes down in fullness. You have no choice but to go minister. Okay, God moves. Holy Spirit moves as executor. You have no choice but to move. Okay. So he told them to wait for the um, fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, he gives these instructions and then he ascends up to heaven. So, as he ascends up to heaven, we go back to chapter Revelation, verse 5, actually. 
Revelation, next slide. Revelation chapter verse 5. Now, this is right after Christ had ascended to heaven. Okay, you follow me? And it says, and as I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now, that's a bad translation. Okay, in the Greek, the Greek actually reads, as I saw on the right side of him. This book was at the right side. It was not in the right hand. Okay. A book written with within on the backside sealed with seven seals. Of course, seven represents perfection. It represents uh, completeness and the fullness of God. So this thing was completely sealed. No human could open up this particular book. Verse two says, and as I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, seems like when I turn my head, I lose this, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals therein? Christ has not yet made it up to heaven. Verse 3 says that no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. So it says no man was able to do these things to open the book or to even touch it or grab it. So it means that this book was above human power. Okay, was above human power. Verse 4, he says, and I wept much. This is John, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto him, weep not. Behold, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. Prevailed what? He just took on and battled sin and won. To open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Verse 6 says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as if had it been slain. So here comes Christ on the scene in the throne room. He left the disciples. He ascended up to heaven. Boom! Now he's only, he appears in heaven, and he stands in the middle of them, and it appears that they has he been slain. The ultimate sacrifice has came. Okay having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Remember from the right side. That denotes that this book, remember Christ said, you will see me when he was on trial with the, um, what is that called, the Sanhedrin. When he was on trial, he said, you will see me sitting at the right hand of power. So this book, they say, like I said, a bad translation, it's on the right side of God. So it was in the seat. So when Christ comes, takes the book, he takes his seat next to God, the father, right there on the throne. Okay. Verse seven said, he came back and took the book out of the hand of him that sat upon the throne. Next slide. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb and having one of them harps and golden vows and full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. Okay, now I want you to understand that these elders are able to sing a new song because they are redeemed. This is a song, this is a song that those four beasts can't sing because they never sinned. Okay, 
The angels can't sing it up there in heaven right now because they never sing. So these elders are singing a new song because redemption has just kicked in. Okay, okay. It says, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and has redeemed to us by God by the blood of every kindred and tongue and people. And has made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. And I beheld, I heard many voices and angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. This is the host of angels, okay? Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and brethren and, and blessings. Verse 13 says, And every creature which was in heaven and earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all of them there is heard, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the fourth beast said, Amen. And the four and twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him that live forever and ever. Now, I want to revise everything I just said. Make a summary. So Christ was on the cross. In Revelation 1, 4, there was a picture of the throne room. We go back 53 days. Christ died on the cross. Three days later, he resurrects. He talks to his disciples. He goes up to heaven. Boom, Revelation chapter 5. He's inaugurated as high priest. What does that mean? He's inaugurated and he's consecrated. Now, he is ready to serve as your advocate. Okay, now, what does that specifically mean? Okay, I mean Christ right now, and he's, I'm, I, we're not going to get into all that stuff about where he's at. I'm not going to go there. Like I said, come to my class. <laughs> but right now, you have an advocate you can pray to right now, and he presents the prayers, okay? Presents the prayers to the Father, and he accepts it. Now, when my daughter had, was in surgery, for her, um, for her transplant. <laughs> my wife was the donor, okay? So, <laughs> whew, what a day this was. My wife was in building J, okay? I spent the night with Kenneth. She was in building M, okay? We took, down, we took Kenneth down for her surgery, and my wife, they told me as I took Kenneth down, well, <laughs> Your wife is in here on the operating table. You want to come in? Uh, no. <laughs> like, they, they already had her under anesthesia. So as I held Kenneth, um, they slipped something into her IV, and she got loopy, and I didn't want to let her go, but she told the doctors, hi, so I knew she was in good care. So when I let her go, I had this huge lump in my throat. This was a 13-hour surgery. So at every hour on the hour, we prayed for them in surgery. It was a 13-hour surgery. We were interceding. Christ receives our prayers. Look at them now. They were accepted, right? We had to be an advocate for them, okay? We had to be an advocate. Sometimes when you ask questions to these doctors, you, you, you tend to know a little too much. So I remember asking like a week before, well, how is this surgery going to go? And they said, uh, well, we're going to sew the veins together. I said, wow. So this is how I know this was divine intervention. You're not that good. You're good. But I know this was divine intervention to sew some veins together, okay? Okay? Next slide. 
So we have Christ as our advocate. It says here in Hebrews chapter 8, Now of the things which I have just spoken, here's the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Do you know how powerful that is? How powerful that is that all we have to do is accept Christ's atone on the cross and he will remember our sins no more. No more. Things are on record, but they are not held against you. You better thank God for that. You better thank God for that. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Okay. There's a, uh, um, a picture of the throne in Daniel chapter 7. Uh, for time's sake, well, we can stay here. Okay. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about how our high priest, okay, we'll read just 13 for time, for 15 for time's sake. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. That's what I put up in red, okay? Empathize, empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So that says a lot. That means if you were tempted, if you have a problem being tempted, like gambling on sports, Jesus was tempted in that certain way. Now, you probably sit there and think, well, how was he? Best believe they had sports back then. They had sports, nothing new up under the sun. If you have a problem with um, anything with a drug addiction, Jesus was tempted in these particular ways. He is empathizing with you. This is why he is able to forgive you. Okay, because he can relate to what you have been through. It says there, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne with grace and mercy. I'm sorry, with grace, with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There are many times on my job where people get on my nerves and I have to pull into a row in my time of need. Say, Lord, please just, just take the anger away. And always be honest in your prayer. Let them know, Lord, I, I, I want to put my hands on this person, Lord. But please take these feelings away from me, Lord. Please take these feelings. And I guarantee you at that time, you will be delivered. Okay, has anyone ever been delivered in that fashion? You will be delivered, especially at the, on my job, I tell you. Next slide, Justice. <laughs> Next slide. Okay, here we have Daniel chapter 7, okay? Daniel chapter 7 is a very, very, I would say, um, my opinion is the most interesting verses in the Bible, okay? It says, I beheld to the thrones were cast down or put in place, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Who is the Ancient of Days? God who? God the Father, that's right. The Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. His garment is white as, white as snow, denoting moral purity. Okay? The hair, the hair of his head like pure wool, denoting pure wisdom he has. Okay? And the throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels burning as fire. It says a fiery stream issued and came forth from him, denoting that he's in judgment. 
And again, it says, and thousands and thousands ministered unto him. Now, these thousands and thousands of angels are ministering to him about what? About our lives. <laughs> about our lives. Elder Tibbs, we talked about this before. We have angels in here at this moment recording every single movement, every single motive. And when I say this, there's always this solemnness, but it's a good thing because every temptation that you have resisted is in the books, okay? Every temptation, every kind word you have spoken to someone, it is in the books, okay? Every deed you've done, every... every Every single uh, word of encouragement you spoke, these, re- the, these angels record, and it's in the books. And there are also things in the books. Every temptation not resisted, it's in the books. It says the spirit of prophecy, everything be, is being recorded with terrible exactness. Okay? Terrible exactness. I think that terrible is for our benefit. Okay? Verse 10 says, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and thousands and thousands ministered unto him, and, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, and the judgment was set, and the books were opened. Okay, the judgment was set, and the books were opened. Okay, when you're talking about books, you have the book of life, and you have the book of records. You see, the book of records indicate who's in the book of life, and the book of life indicate what you did in the book of records, okay? Did I go too fast there? <laughs> it's all in the books. But in verse 13, it says, And I seen in the night vision, one like the Son of Man, who is the Son of Man? It's Jesus. And he came near him, and he came with the clouds of heaven, those are angels, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Now, this is a specific scene where Christ is brought to the Father, and they start their last ministry in the most holy place. But this is where Christ's uh, work as our advocate is in full uh, effect. Okay, it's in full uh, effect. Okay? So, my wife, uh, next slide, Justice R. My wife. My wife is a rape victim. I'm sorry, she works for the rape Christ, Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, okay? And she is an advocate for youth rape victims, okay? And her sole purpose is to prepare the youth victim that has been raped for their testimony, okay? It's to prepare, her main purpose is to prepare the youth rape victim for their testimony. Now, these are 10-year-old girls sometimes that have been raped and violated, okay? 15-year-olds who have been raped and violated, and anyone knows the cycle of rape, these victims feel like they are the problem, okay? They, they, they try to get this, the people off. They don't want to suck, because sometimes it is a, a brother, a cousin, a family friend member who has perpetrated on these, so they don't want to see them go to jail. So they're extensively violated. So my wife's job is to be an advocate with these particular girls and help them prepare as they talk to the police, as they talk to the attorneys, that they're treated with dignity, okay? Because sometimes these rape victims, the police try to make them out 
as they were out in prostitution. Okay, so my wife's job is to say as an advocate, hey, I got you, okay? She tells me of a scene where she had, they had to go to trial, and it was a 15-year-old who was raped by a 17-year-old. And she says she came there at the tail end of the trial. She said the judge was here right in front. Her, uh, the person she was the advocate for, the victim, was over to the left here. The prosecutor was over here. But the, the, the person who raped the girl was sitting directly in front of her. And he's making eye contact to intimidate her. So my wife says she comes in. And she walks and she sits uh, right behind the rape victim and she grabs her arm in a sense to tell her, hey, I got you. And she made eye contact with the perpetrator as in a don't you dare. Okay, don't you dare. He has an she has an advocate with him and it reminds me of the scene in Zechariah. The scene in Zechariah. Next slide. Next slide. The scene in Zechariah. And it said, and it showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of God, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Satan accuses us day and night. He says, hey, he sinned. He's mine. He sinned. He's just like me. Okay? He's just like me. Because remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became just like Satan. <laughs> they became just like Satan. So this is what Satan says. Hey, he sinned, Julius. You're just like, he's just like me. Nuh-uh, he doesn't deserve mercy. Okay? Verse 2 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, Satan, as my wife stood behind that, uh, her, 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 uh, the person she was an advocate for, and rebuked this guy with her look. Okay? Uh, it says, even the Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee, is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Is this not a person saved out of the fire? Now, Joshua was filled with filthy garments, okay, representing his sinful character, and stood before the angel. And when he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments. And unto, and unto him he said, behold, I have caused the iniquity to pass from thee and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. So that change of raiment is Christ's character put onto your character because Christ is your advocate. He stands in your place when they're up there in the sanctuary. Believe me, names come up and Christ holds up those hands and shows those nails marks and says to the Father, I know him by name. I know him by name. He called on my name constantly. He constantly called on my name, okay? Turn to the next slide. There you see the, 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 the change of clothes, the, the thing of uh, the change of raiment, okay? Okay? So, next slide, please. I'm going to tell you what, and I'm going to say this uh, with sincerity. Your lifestyle determines who your advocate is. Yeah. Satan can be an advocate too. Your lifestyle determines who your advocate is. Okay? I was at a 
part-time security job in 2002, okay? So I was on the job training. We worked second shift from 3 to 11. So there was a guy there, and I saw on his bumper sticker some weird marks that I just did not know what they were. So we would make our rounds in the park lot, and I would ask the guy, what's that stuff on your bumper sticker? He would say, ah, that's just my personal interest. So I was okay. So we would make our rounds again next week. I would say, well, hey, man, what? He had a new sticker. What, what, what is this stick? What is that? Because it looked weird to me. So he broke down and told me. He said, I am a warlock. A witch, that is. A male. Female is a witch. Man is a warlock. He is a Wiccan. The religion is called a Wiccan. Okay? So you got to imagine this from 3, three o'clock to 11. It's getting dark. So... <laughs> It's just me and this guy in this building, and he just told me that he was a witch. So I started asking him questions. I said, so, so, so what do you do? Like, he said, well, our religion is, is based on October 31st. It's called Sam Hain. Okay, this is when we bring out the cauldron and all this stuff. And they bring demons up. And they bring demons up. Oh, man, I tell you. So at that time, I'm not going to lie, I prayed to God. Lord, give me the power if he tries anything with me that I can knock this guy out and get out of there. Okay? But your lifestyle will determine who is your advocate. Okay? As I put up here, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. It says, this is Christ speaking. He says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my father. So there's something there. He's saying, just because you say, Lord, Lord, that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. The will of the father, he says, has to be done. Let's keep reading. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So now you probably ask, well, what is iniquity? Next slide. You see, there are nuances of sin, okay? Nuances of, or shades of sin, okay? Believe me when I say not all sin is the same kind of sin, okay? If you look, I put Psalms 32, verse 1 at the bottom, okay? And it says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Well, what is transgression? Transgression is willful, deliberate, plotted sin. I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say... I want to rob a bank. Now, to rob this bank, you got to constantly, let's say you got to go in there for a week. You want to see who's on staff at what time, what weakest security guards would be in there so you could pull this robbery off, okay? You got to see what's the best time to hit. All of this is plotted, willful transgression, okay? 
talking about trans, uh, plotted sin, talking about transgression. Sin is missing the mark. Now you say missing the mark of what? The mark of the, it, what is the goal that God has for us. Let's say when I leave here and I'm at the door shaking hands and someone steps on my foot and I offend them, okay? And I offend them because they stepped on my foot. They didn't do it deliberately. I didn't plan that sin. It came out, it happened. I say, Lord, please forgive me. I, I got to try harder. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for offending that person. Okay? That's sin. Okay? Iniquity. Iniquity is crookedness. The Bible says when we are born, we are uh, perverse speaking lies. Okay? So crookedness is how we're born. We're born like this, and Christ makes us like this when we accept what he's done on the cross. Okay? And the last one is guile that says, blessed is unto the man of the Lord who imputeth not equity and in, in whose spirit there is no guile, okay? Guile is hypocrisy and deceit. It's the same thing that Eve did, uh, that Satan did to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He uh, deceived her and he uh, was a hypocrite because he acted like he was an ally for her. So these are all the different um, nuances or shades of saying, go back to the other slide, um, Justice, go back to the other slide. So when he says in verse 23, I will profess and tell them I never knew you. Depart from me who work iniquity. This word iniquity there means cherished sin. Cherished sin. Okay. I'll give you another example. When I got baptized, I came from a job that all we used to do was bet on sports. Okay. So that, well, actually, that was before I got baptized. So I get a new job where I'm at now, and it's even a larger betting environment. It's just, oh, it was just like the habit. It was like, you can bet on this, bet on that, all these. We had a bookie payout was every Tuesday, man. So then I, so then I got baptized. <laughs> so then I got baptized. It didn't even dawn on me that I should not be gambling. Okay, it didn't even dawn on me. So one day I was walking out of a truck and I just leaned up against the wall. I said, man, I can't be doing this anymore. But it was so hard to let that sin go. You see, Christ wants all of you. You can't be serving the Lord and say, Lord, I'm with you. But there's one thing I got to have. Christ said, I never knew you. Okay, because of this one thing you're holding on. I tell you what, you probably ask, well, how are they able to work all these wonders and miracles? Because it was Satan who was answering their prayers. I just told you about the warlock who can conjure up a demon. Satan has workers out here. He has workers out here and they do miracles. When you're talking about with the, remember in uh, Ezekiel, no, I'm sorry, in Exodus, it's a slide, but for time's sake, we're not going to do it. It's a slide. Um, it's a, um, remember the Lord told Moses and Aaron to put the rod down, yeah. and it turned into a, um, a serpent, and then the, the uh, magicians came and performed the same like miracle. It was like, but it was not the exact same, so Satan has workers also. Okay, and the scripture said workers of iniquity. They were working this thing. They were laboring sin. They were actively seeking sin. 
but casting out devils, proclaiming the name of the Lord. Is there any cherished sin? Is the Holy Spirit combing through you right now that you might want to let go of? Think about that, okay? Think about that cherished sin. Who's your advocate? Next slide, Justin. Go up, go up, go up, go up. Keep going, okay? So when we're talking about cherished sin, you have to look at the life of Judas, okay? The life of Judas. Judas was the actual, he was the treasurer of the disciples, okay? Now, Judas's cherished sin was greed. And Jesus put him in a position to correct his character. There are some of us sitting here who are leaving, like living maybe next to a, a neighbor. There's somebody in your family. There's something going on at the job that God has put you in this position to correct your character and make it equivalent of his. OK, so Judas is put in this situation to, to um, correct his character and he failed miserably and he failed miserably. He thought that his disciples were not opportunistic. He thought they missed opportunity for world power. He wanted world power. He wanted to be the one to say, hey, look at us, look at what we're doing. But Christ for him was way too humble. Okay, he was way too humble. So he sold Christ into um, 30 pieces of silver. And you know how the story goes as I wrote up here. Jesus answered, this is John 13, 26 through 30. It says, Jesus answered and he said to him, who is I? Shall I give a sop when I have dipped it? And when he said, dip the sop, and he gave it to Judas Iscariot, he gave the sop to point out to the other disciples exactly who it was. And after the sop, it says, Satan entered him because Judas never repented for his sin. Okay? Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. No man at that table knew what intent he had spake this unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that, that Jesus said unto him, buy those things that we need of against the, of the feast, that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went out immediately, and it was night. And that was symbolic. He went into night because he left the light. Okay, he left the light of the world, which is Christ. And he went out. Remember, Satan has entered him, and it was night. If you have cherished sin in your life, you may be being controlled by Satan, and you may not know exactly what is going on. Give up. Repent of your cherished sin. Repent, okay? Next slide. Okay. Play something for me, Willie. This is closing. Okay? In closing, as we wrap up everything, I was talking about who is your advocate. Okay? You can play something, Willie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talking about who is your advocate. Okay? Is it Christ as your advocate? Or is it the enemy as your advocate? Your lifestyle will determine your advocacy. Okay? 
Now understand, what Christ did on the cross was for everybody, okay? Everybody in the world. His atoning in the sanctuary as high priest is for professed Christians, okay? It's for professed Christians. So as to shake the church up and comb themselves and understand where you are, okay? So I have here in the book of Luke, and the Lord said, chapter, I'm sorry, Luke 22, 31 through 32, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And he said, but, he says, but, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art covered, strengthen thy brethren. I want to ask you a question. Don't you think he prayed for Judas also? What's the difference? The repentance of sin. Okay? All stand here. Lord, as I prepare this appeal, Lord, at least just one soul come to you today, Lord. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about a change of raiment. We talked about sin and stuff. And you wonder, why you want to talk about sin? Because we have to understand that it is very ugly. And we have to understand that we need to hate sin. Okay? Okay? When you think about the prodigal son, he went out into a riotous world of living, right? And then when he came back, the father said, give him the best role. Okay? He was still with them. God is still with them. Is anyone here want to come down and give all your sins to the Lord right now? Is anyone here? Anyone here? Does anyone want to claim the advocacy of Christ for what he's done as a high priest? Anyone here? Anyone here? If you're like me, I sat up in those balconies for four months without coming down. Four months without coming down. Because I didn't like the tension being on me. You know what I mean? So, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that that person is here. If that person does not want to come forth, may he come to me at the end. Maybe some Bible studies, maybe prayer or something, Lord. Is that person here, Lord? I'm going to keep this appeal open, Lord. righteous robe of Christ needs to be placed on someone. The righteous robe of Christ. Who wants the righteous robe of Christ? Anyone here? Anyone here? The prodigal son, he did not take the robe back. Okay? He did not take the robe back from him. He gave him the robe. God never leaves you. Is anyone here? Is anyone here that say, hey, I understand what you guys are teaching, but I need to know more about the church. And come on down. Come on down. Is anybody here? Just to be close to you. Wanna wait? Wanna wait? Just to be close to you. Just to be who is your advocate? Is anyone else here? Does anyone else want to come? Does anyone desire to get baptized? Does anyone desire to get baptized? Christ is waiting for you. 
anyone. Just to be close to you. Let us pray. Dear kind, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the message given to us, Lord. You are our advocate, Lord, and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for accepting our prayers, Lord. Thank you for hearing us in our time of need, Lord. Lord, no, we just ask for the blessing upon the congregation, Lord. And if there's anyone that the Holy Spirit is churning, churning, because I felt this before, Lord. The hearts is being pricked at. You're tapping on their shoulder, Lord. May that person come down, Lord. And Lord, we just ask for the saints of the church, Lord. Help us and prepare us so when we go into ministry, Lord, that we have the Holy Spirit in fullness, Lord. I think the Lord wants me to keep this appeal open. Is anyone else here?